Welcome to the Conformance Cast. As always, I'm your host, Evan Hodges, and on this, which is Series 4, I am joined by Dr. Susan Audino, who is a consultant and assessor and all-around expert in uh, cannabis and related fields. How are you, Susan? I'm well, Evan. Thank you for inviting me here. Thank you for being here. I know you're super, super busy, so I really appreciate you making the time to be on our little podcast project. My pleasure. Um, so to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? That was a very, very uh, understated intro I gave you, so it would be great if you could tell everybody a little about yourself, um, how you wound up, where you are in your career path, and as a generally well-known figure in cannabis science. Uh, sure. It can get to be a pretty long and circuitous story, but uh, oh, I'll, I'll please, try to keep it abbreviated. No, please do tell the whole thing. I'm sure it's really interesting. So don't do not hold back. <laughs> chemistry is was was the farthest thing from my mind. I never anticipated being a chemist ever in my life. So when I look in the mirror and I see a chemist staring back at me, I can't help but laugh because I'm very amused by it. It's actually my second career. Um, I hold graduate degrees, um, multiple graduate degrees in psychology and worked as a psychologist for about 10 years. Uh, before going back to college and starting all over again on my way to chiropractic school, I um, was accepted into chiropractic school uh, pending the completion of general chem, organic chem, biophysics. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm just going to die. These classes are going to kill me. <laughs> so, of course, I, I felt the same. I felt the same way about chemistry when I was in college, to be honest with you. But I'm going to anticipate that you did a little bit better than I did. Oh, well, you know, I, I did what any reasonable um, human being would do is I took them all at one time. Hmm. <laughs> Get it over with, I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I told my professors, look, y'all just need to teach me enough to pass. A C is good. Um, so my first so class back was organic chemistry with a review of general chemistry, which I had never had before. So, uh, yeah, it was a real interesting ride. Um, so I did that. And then I decided eh, I may as well stick around and get an undergraduate degree in chemistry. And that worked out okay. And then I won a competitive award um, to do some independent research, and I was extremely fortunate to work under the mentorship of the then Director of Forensic Chemistry at the Secret Service out in D.C. And uh, two months into that project, I thought, ah, I don't need to be a chiropractor, I need to be a chemist. <laughs> uh, this stuff is cool. So um, I applied to graduate school, and I chose a program that would allow me to do uh, my research off campus. I, I knew that I wanted to do my research at NIST in Gaithersburg. And um, I went in under a National Science Foundation fellowship in uh, chemometrics. So I had to take a boatload of classes in statistics as well as chemistry. And that's how I got my graduate degree in chemistry. So I... Um, the only reason I got my PhD is um, was to teach at a college and a university. My ambition was to develop a general chemistry curriculum for blind students. I have, oh. uh, yeah, right? So when we think about chemistry, most of it is visual. And mm -hmm. I've always been a bit of a mechanical engineer at heart. So I have a little notebook going with how to transform certain visual exercises um, into auditory or, um, and or tactile. 
Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, that was my goal. Um, and as you can see, I'm doing everything but that. So, <laughs> um, so then, uh, you know, my, my research was predominantly in uh, physical chemistry and then analytical. Um, everything in gas phases. So I can handle gases really well. And I thought, you know, I'm a chemistry. I'm a chemist. So I should know how to mix stuff up in little jugs and vials and beakers. And so I went on. Just just like in the stock images, right? That's you know, right. Col- colorful jars of liquid with attractive people holding them. You are absolutely right, Evan. And I wanted to be one of those people in the cartoon. <laughs> so um, I got a job in, in uh, bench chemistry, did that for a while and realized, you know what? Research was really for me. I preferred the research over this bench work. Um, and around the same time, an old family friend of ours approached me and realized that I was no longer a chemist, uh, no longer a psychologist, but working also as a chemist. And he was developing a um, building on a uh, compassion center, cannabis compassion center. And he asked mm. me to be part of his team. And I said, are you crazy? That stuff needs to be illegal. I saw what it did as a psychologist. I saw what it did to patients. So now I think that needs to be illegal. And so he encouraged me to think about it, which I'm, Grateful for that encouragement, because then I spent the next six months reading everything I could about cannabis and the plant and uh, really studied the chemistry of it. I didn't read the articles like, hey, choke up, feel good, have a good life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I read a a lot of papers by uh, Raphael Machulam. I really studied the chemistry of it and thought, man, this is a really fascinating subject. It's a very fascinating plant. Um, the chemistry is amazing. And so I got interested in that. And then I approached uh, some folks at A2LA with, you know, guys, this is up and coming and uh, you may want to get ahead of that ball. And uh, the reaction was sort of like a little bit of a snicker, like, mm, yeah, okay, Susan, we kind of right, like this. Right, 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 right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, transitory, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then it wasn't too far later when, um, you know, I got my first call with, uh, yeah, Sue, uh, that, that cannabis stuff, uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? So that's really how I kind of get into it. And it, and it just sort of snowballed from there. So at that point I was able to integrate my experience as an assessor. At that point I was already a, a pretty well-seasoned assessor in, in the food and environmental industries and a little physical chem industry. Um, I got to evaluate a couple of labs on semiconductors, which was really exciting. Um, <laughs> and then things just sort of kind of took off from there. And I, I am extremely fortunate and extremely grateful for all of the opportunities that I've had. I have not met one single person in all of these years whom I've not learned something from. And for that, I am blessed and grateful. And I, you know, I I just love my job. I love that I'm able to assess labs and help them because, you know, as an assessor, I work on their team, right? My goal is to help the lab get better. Um, I'm not an adversary when I'm working as an assessor. And certainly as a consultant to regulatory bodies, I've been a consultant to private laboratories, to manufacturers, to testing laboratories, and each one of those plays a different role, but it all coalesces to the same purpose, which is consumer safety. And uh, that's really where it's all at. It's all about consumer safety. 
Um, what this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I'm curious to know: was there like a, a light bulb moment that changed your mind about how to approach the concept of cannabis uh, and its like use in in the scientific field and in medical contexts, or was it a very gradual process? For me, it was understanding the science and then, um, or trying to understand the science. I don't think we completely understand the science yet. I don't think it's been identified. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was understanding the science that I was capable of understanding at that point, And then consciously and rationally applying that to um, the different entities. So... You know, a lot of people will take the medical industry and say, oh, medical should use cannabis because, and I kind of took a backwards approach and I say, you know, cannabis is really cool and it can do this. And I wonder where it could be appropriately allocated. Um, does it make sense to allocate it here? Does it make sense to use it there? So I, I take a different approach. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I am definitely not a linear thinker. And my brain goes off on many tangents at any given moment of the day. Um, so I look at things a little bit differently. Um, so as I'm sure everyone knows, uh, cannabis is in a real weird place right now from like a legality standpoint versus a public perception standpoint versus a medical scientific standpoint. standpoint. How does all of this kind of miasma of uh legal realities and opinions affect uh the scientific community's ability to conduct good scientific work on cannabis products you know that's a great question and everybody is assuming like uh you know if there's product if there's a problem with the product it's because of the product manufacturer Product manufacturers say if there's a problem with the product, it's because of the testing. The testing comes around and they say, well, we can only test what we get, and it's a complex product, so what can we do? And then the regulatory bodies who bless their hearts, my heart goes out to them. You know, they were, they were charged with persecuting and prosecuting uh, the cannabis industry and anybody involved in that, and then the next day they have to do a 180 and, and regulate it and usually blindly with limited resources. And so, you know, they've had the best of intentions and the work that they've done has been really quite amazing given their positions. Um, but at the end of the day, all of these entities intersect and they influence one another. So it's not a A versus B versus C versus D. It's not regulators versus cultivators versus manufacturers versus laboratories. They all intersect and we have to find that sweet spot to where each one can influence the other in the most positive manner. It's just at the end of the day, this is just another agricultural commodity. And mm -hmm. we have to understand a little bit more about where all of these roles play out. How do they affect one another? And, you know, I think in the public view, and I, I already told you, I'm guilty of it myself, mm -hmm. where my knee-jerk reaction was, this stuff needs to be illegal. Um, and I've turned around, right, um, to some extent. And I think we need to meet the public where they are and not chastise them when they say, I don't agree with this. 
just accept their opinion for what it is, and that's fine, and we move on from there. I think that um, the science behind this plant has a lot of catching up to do. I think it is a very complex plant. I think it is a very complex material with applications that are about as wild as anybody's imagination. And we don't know the science behind it yet. We don't know how it works. Um, we don't know how parts of it work. We don't know how our selective breeding of the plant actually affects um, the body. Um, we don't have that science yet. I think it's out there. I hope. I hope to see some of that in my lifetime. I'm not sure that I will see the end of the story in my lifetime because I think that the breadth of science that is needed is huge. Um, and I think that that's going to drive the next generation or two um, to kind of better understand that. We still don't know how the brain works. So now we're throwing in another complex material into that mixture. And yes, and at the end of the day, in my opinion, it's a phenomenal plant with, with amazing attributes and applications that are likely going to help more people than not. Um, but we need time and we need to respect science um, to do it properly and to come to those conclusions as science does. Science takes a long time if we're going to do it well. You know, we can shortcut pretty much anything. But at the end of the day, what does that really do for us, right? So we need to take it easy. We need to respect science, respect the scientific method, respect the scientific process. And we may not like all of the answers at the end, and we may love some of the answers at the end, but we can't prejudge the future without that empirical data. I think we have more to say about kind of the, the regulatory environment for cannabis, but we will get into that in episode two. So uh, thank you so much, Susan. We will be back in two weeks with episode two, and we'll talk a little bit more. Subscribe to the Conformance Cast on your podcatcher of choice to get updates whenever a new episode is posted. Find more educational content, including blog posts, and our schedule of courses on a2lawpt.org. Would you like to become a sponsor of the Conformance Cast? Visit a2lawpt.org slash podcast for more information.